We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets home loss tonight to the Miami Heat, 106-93. How are we feeling, Jack? Sigh. Sigh. It was a tough game. It was very frustrating for a lot of different elements, but we'll jump into that and plenty more. But you can always find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start with this one? Nick, let's, I guess, go through what went wrong for the Brooklyn Nets in uh, another home loss what did you see that sort of stuck out as being you know, points of emphasis that the, the Nets were outplayed in? Yeah, I mean, the simplest thing is rebounding here. You know, the Heat dominated the offensive boards just in second chance points, Jack. We're talking about 31 to 4. The Heat won this game by 13 points. If the Nets cut that in half, they win the game. 31 second chance points is like insane. And some credit to the Heat because they're hustling and working for those boards, but a lot of it was just like, Guys not gang rebounding, not attacking the boards, or just kind of watching the basketball. And that that alone is just one element that sticks out. I think another element here is guys weren't making shots. Guys are paying poor offensively other than Kevin Durant. And James Harden still has not found his rhythm or just his groove in terms of what he can do offensively. Yes, some of that's the officiating, but some of that's just James, like he mentioned, I think a few games ago, being very hesitant. And it definitely sticks out because we're talking about a James Harden that only shot 12 times this game. And I believe he only scored two points in the second half. One of the best scorers in the NBA, a guy that's up for MVP almost every single season. And he's playing very poorly right now. He is, and in the absence of Kyrie Irving, it makes it even more pronounced. You know, his conditioning isn't there. There was a really nice piece from the Kaius Duncan at Basketball yep. News talking about, you know, the struggles of, of James Harden right now and it being not just simply the, the free throw sort of issue, but a confluence of factors in terms of his conditioning, in terms of him, the, the shots that he is taking, he's relying on that floater a lot more rather than actually getting to the line. 
Um, and you know, the, he's taking probably the same amount of threes, but you know, he hit three of eight from there. And it seemed to me that he found something in that second quarter, but you know, didn't really continue that form that he showed in the first half because he looked good in the first half. So it was just disappointing that he hasn't been able to show the level of dominance that we needed to show because if he can't do it, you know, Kevin Durant is as as great as he is. He can't do it all by himself. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. And it just turns the Brooklyn Nets into the Kevin Durants. And we aren't the yeah. Kevin Durants. We have a, a good enough team to, to be one of the best in the East and one of the best in the NBA as is. But if Kevin Durant's going to be the only guy that steps up, he's going to be the only one that gets the credit. Uh, and we're not going to win games uh, against a team like the Miami Heat who make things tough for you no matter what and are going to be physical and are going to do all those little gritty things. They're going to be a contender in the Eastern Conference as well. They look like they've got some uh, consistency. They're gelling. They've got the chemistry. They have their identity. The Nets are still figuring things out uh, in a plentiful amount of ways. Yeah, and credit to the Heat. They did a great job of kind of setting extra attention to Kevin Durant in that second half and limiting what he could do. Uh, similar stuff to James Harden, but in the past, we've seen James Harden be able to kind of exploit those double teams and set guys up. And also, we'll throw in the fact that guys are missing wide open shots. You know, just not a great shooting night for the entire team. 38% from the field, 32% from three, 14 of 43 from deep, and a lot of good looks that were just missed. But again, like you said, Jack, James Harden honestly right now is playing like a below average starter they need him at minimum to be an all-star level player because he's also not playing great defensively. Um, in the first quarter, he had a lot of mistakes. But like you mentioned, there were you know some signs of hope in that second quarter during that mini stretch. He looked like James Harden, like the James Harden that we know, but it just didn't continue throughout the whole game. And I don't think it's going to change overnight. This is going to probably take him a few weeks to kind of find the groove and rhythm. And if he does have to adjust, given, like you mentioned, it's multiple elements, not just the officiating, but also coming back from the injury, did he lose maybe even more of a step? I'm not sure. And also, I think another thing for James Harden, this is kind of a take I have, he's not getting the calls like... He's a strong player. He just needs to play more physical. If he's not going to get calls, obviously he was called for a couple charges tonight, but I'm talking about like just manhandling guys in the post a little bit. He had Lowry in a one-on-one -on -one situation tonight and just kind of passed out of it. You want to see him just be aggressive and be strong. Yeah, his mentality isn't there, Nick. You can sort of yep. see it. There's there's moments of it, but those moments are a few and far between. And we've probably got a few of them tonight, but you know, not enough for, for the Nets and for him to make a, a true impact on this game. You know, he he was four turnovers. You know, uh, that one of those charges, I don't think it was there. I can't remember if it was him or it was Kevin Durant. You know, we can talk about the officiating. hundred percent. The one of the charges, uh, I think Dwayne Dedman's foot was clearly in the restricted area, and then there was another charge where. In my opinion, it looked like there was slight movement or Harden was kind of pushed into Lowry in that situation. But uh, the officiating was pretty rough in this game. I don't think we're going to really jump into it too deep, but I will say there was numerous questionable calls. And I think it benefits a team like the Heat substantially more when they, quote unquote, let them play. Yeah, the, I mean, the let them play thing, this is, yes, everyone's sort of saying, yes, basketball is more watchable and stuff, but you also have to play by the rules. It seems like there's a new set of rules. Kevin Owens getting poked in the freaking eyes by Jimmy yeah. Butler and doesn't get a call. Like, he, Kevin, I say this all the time, Kevin Owens isn't a guy that gets frustrated very easily. He's getting very frustrated very regularly in this season, and it happened a lot tonight. Even Steve Nash was actually yeah. speaking up and showing something, which is like, you know, unheard of for, for a guy of his demeanor. So you I know, feel like this when KD is mad, Nash gets mad. Like he he truly loves Kevin Durant. Like 
credit to him for that. But when you see KD livid, it's like it sets off Nash. And he just like, tonight I saw him angry and I was happy about it. That's like what they need from him. He's a guy that doesn't usually get like like that. And to let the refs know, you need to let them know because there's just calls that are impacting the game. And like you said, Jack, there's a point where it's impacting how you play basketball. Like a certain amount of contact is impeding you from playing the game the correct way. And look, it's it's no excuse because the the quality of the shots for the Nets and the offense is has a way to go. They lost the game still, yeah. They still lost the game. It wasn't officiating that that one or loss in the game. If this was a three or four point you know loss or or even less, then maybe we'd be talking about that a bit more. But they lost by thirteen points because they couldn't generate quality shots, as you alluded to, Nick. And I looked on the shot quality website. Funnily enough, their their Twitter page actually responded to me as well. They're generating the eighth worst shot quality in the NBA for a team of of their caliber. And I think as well, uh, the the type of shots they're taking, I think they're like third worst or fourth worst um, in terms of, uh, of that statistic as well. So they are not a good offensive team right now. Even with two of the best offensive players in the game, one obviously not playing like it, they are just not playing good offense. And you can just see it when you watch it. You know, the, the threes that are being taken are being taken by Blake Griffin or Bruce Brown. You know, And, and Bruce did a couple tonight, so that's uh, not a slight to him. It's just that he's not... Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Paddy Mills. Paddy Mills, not at his best tonight either. So I just think that there is just a lack of synergy and the Nets need to reset it because, you know, the, the Eastern Conference is going to be really, really tight. Um, and if they keep losing games uh, in, in, in ones that they should be more competitive and winning, um, then it's going to slip away sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, you still want to get home court, obviously, and this is super early in the season, but you do want to take care of business. And I think, like you said, Jack, they're not generating good looks because – Obviously, Kyrie's not playing, and he's one of the best offensive scorers in the NBA, maybe in NBA history, just what he can do with the basketball. But the Nets knew that for a couple weeks, and they have time to adjust. But the thing is, their offense was so reliant last season on James Harden creating and just being uh, an offensive engine. And he's not being that engine right now. And now it's forcing other guys to kind of step up into a role where they're probably not comfortable. And there's not necessarily enough offensive sets or system in-house to generate a lot of these open looks where it looks like the Nets are going to probably have to go to kind of playing, you know, basketball a little bit more, setting picks, moving the ball, kind of playing off each other instead of depending so much on James Harden to create that offense until he can get up to the level in which we know he can play. Yeah, there's a real lack of dynamism and synergy and chemistry on the offensive end of the floor. Um, and it's for a team that prides itself on on being an all-worldly offense, they are far, far from it. And that that's not just the, statistics, the statistics reflecting that. That's when you just watch the game too. Yeah. It's just you watch them play and it's just like, they're just not here right now. And it's, it, it's a tough watch. It really is. So they need to figure that out sooner rather than later because, look, I don't know what's going wrong with it. I don't know whether it needs to be more film sessions. It's just... Oh, sorry, it's shot selection, the, the statistics I was looking for. They are 27th in shot selection. And you can tell that, you know, the shot selection, maybe a KD mid-range pull-up looks bad on the shot selection metric. Lamar Obviously, it works mid-range. Th those sort of ones. But in, in saying that, I still think that the Nets are one of the worst teams in terms of how they look offensively in terms of their cohesion. Unless the ball's in Kevin Durant's hands, I don't feel confident about a, a shot falling, Nick. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Katie's been the only consistent thing with his team. He's been very good to start the year. It's just like you're not generating the good looks. I think one issue right now is 
attacking the rim and even just penetration in general. That's something that the offense is missing. That's something that you typically get out of a guy like James Harden, something you get out of a guy like Kyrie Irving. So they have to find other ways to generate, you know, paint touches, whatever it might be. There's a play, I believe, in the second half. We saw Katie throw a quick pass to LaMarcus Aldridge in the post. He got double teamed. He threw the ball to Patty Mills. Patty Mills drove, uh, drove off the closeout and then dropped it off to LaMarcus for quick, easy layup. They're the type of things that I think this team is going to have to do a little bit more. That's not the most efficient offense or the best offense. But until Harden is running on full cylinders or Kyrie Irving magically comes back, then they're just going to have to find other ways to play off each other because there's still a lot of good basketball players in this team. They're just not in sync or have any chemistry. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I mean, Lamarcus and, and Patty had really nice chemistry. You know, Patty obviously wasn't great tonight, didn't hit any of his six threes. He get to the free throw line a couple of times, was only one and nine from the field. Did have five assists, um, and uh, he looked to be still impacting the game in other ways, but he was by no means uh, at his six-man-of-the-year capabilities best. But Paddy Mills and Lamarcus Aldridge, who had a, a nice enough night for himself, you know, three or five from the field, had uh, six points, uh, had three boards as well, and also had a block. You know, those two clearly have chemistry out there. So yep. you align their minutes as much as possible because they just know how to play basketball together. You know, there's just this innate thing uh, whenever they're out there. James Harden and Joe Harris haven't, you know, re. Reached that spark that they had last season in terms of their offensive chemistry. It's and look, I think Bruce Brown is, is is still continuing to contribute positively for this team. Blake was was finding his legs a lot tonight. We got some double digit Pat Paul Millsap minutes, which I thought was you know, okay, not amazing. Uh, it, it's just like they're still figuring things out, and 
the things need to be figured out sooner rather than later because uh, I think that the the luxury of having big depth that we alluded to in the preseason might become a burden sooner rather than later because they can't rebound the ball when you've got 8 million centers, then what are you doing for us? Yeah, I think the big problem is is the Nets really have a lot of fours that they play at the five. You know what I mean? Like Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin. LaMarcus, I think, is more of a true center. I think Clax is probably more of a four than a five with his body type right now. And I think that's one of the issues where Millsap fits your small ball. But if you're not gang rebounding with him on the floor, it definitely makes it more difficult to have, you know, some of these undersized centers out there. And then what was happening with LaMarcus is he was getting exposed in space a little bit in this game, kind of working on him in the picks in different situations. And I'd say that was, you know, what Patty Mills got caught in a couple of picks tonight because they're just a lot of physicality out there and LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to necessarily step out super far in some of these three-point attempts from the Heat. The Heat didn't shoot super well from three, so that was kind of a luxury for the Nets. I thought they missed a lot of good open looks too. So just overall, there were some really good defensive possessions from the Nets in this game too, though. I'll give them credit for that, especially Bruce Brown. I thought he did a really good job on Kyle Lowry, uh, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. He was just kind of in everyone's grill and was able to kind of utilize the physicality the refs were allowing. Yeah, I think that that's one shining light of the this new officiating. It allows Bruce Brown to be a bit more physical, though. There are times where like DeAndre Bembry got called for fouls, and I'm just like, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are doing the exact same thing yeah. on the opposing end, and not and PJ Tucker. And it's just like, why are you calling the, the exact same thing on DeAndre Bembry, who I think is continuing to show some moments uh, for the Nets as well, and and some athleticism and a bit of spark every now and then. Nick on James Harden, Alex Schiffer tweeted this out. James Harden said, given his durability before his hamstring injury, this is uncharted waters for him where he has to play himself back into his old self and build up his confidence. That's not the most uh, heart, That's not the most warming thing you want to hear when talking about finding his confidence for a guy that has been one of the most confident, durable, best players in, in the modern era. So hopefully he finds that spark again. Because uh, the Nets need him right now. KD yeah. needs him right now. We all need him right now. Another line from uh, Matt Brooks to James Harden, as much as I want to get back to 30s and 40 points, I can't do that. As much as I want to, as much as I love to, I didn't have any opportunities to play pickup. It was all rehab. So, obviously, Harden's been impacted by not being able to play as much basketball he liked, and I think he does look very rusty, and maybe he's not in playing shape. Or also, just like... We kind of talked about this a lot when KD was out rehabbing. Like, KD needed to get his body right, but then he also needed to get back to being Kevin Durant. And it seems like James Harden needs to get back to being James Harden. The problem is the Nets aren't going to sit him for a month and allow him to kind of do that in practice or whatever it might be. So that's just a luxury they don't have right now. And this is a time where you really miss Kyrie Irving because not to say that Kyrie would fix all these issues, but he definitely would alleviate a lot of pressure off of James Harden, other teammates on this team. And I think offensively, they'd still be kicking because we saw what they could do in those couple games against the Bucks in round two. Yeah, so, look, he's he's obviously better than a guy on one hamstring. <laughs> yeah. But that uh, that's that's not saying much. So I I hope that he gets that confidence back in, in himself and in his body because um, I just want to see James Harden at his best because we saw a lot of that uh, for large chunks of last season um, when he was, was a Brooklyn man. He's... You know, facilitation, his ability to just get to and, and create buckets for himself and others. You know, we talked about, you know, a, a lot last year about Kevin Durant being the best player, but Harden being the most impactful because yep. he just makes the teammates around him better. And that's the reason why we're not seeing efficiency from a lot of the role players when you include 
a Joe Harris, who was you know good from the three-point line, but average overall, um, and just generating better looks. Kevin Durant did say tonight that he was happy with the looks that they're generating, um, and also the way the defense is trending. I'm not as happy with the way that the offense is trending a little bit. I think that KD has a mentality of like, if we get an open enough shot, that's good. I just think that you can turn good shots into great shots, um, which is what they were able to do last year uh, when you had the presence of a, of a superstar in Kyrie Irving as well. They're getting, they might be getting good or average shots, but the statistics don't reflect it. And I'm not Mr. Analyst, Mr. You know, analytics behind the scenes or whatever, but they can get much better shots. And I think a lot of that is you know, individual form, but I also do think it is a bit of better ball movement because the ball movement hasn't been great. Um, and I just think that their chemistry isn't there whatsoever. And some of that is lineup dependent as well in terms of spacing, in terms of shots. You know, maybe he's he's talking about you know the open shots of Blake Griffin, the open shots of Paul Millsap, the open shots for Bruce Brown. Th- those are fine shots, but you want them to be shots that are in the more capable offensive hands. And we unfortunately don't have that, so we need to turn those good shots into even better shots. And it's it's hard to know if it's possible, Nick, because the statistics aren't necessarily kind to the Nets right now. Do you think it can be worked out? Yeah, I think tonight there was an improvement in the looks that they did get. I think you look at just Patty Mills alone, 0-6 from three. He didn't force any threes tonight. They were all good looks. So even on a bad night for Patty, you're thinking more so two of six probably in this situation. That still lose the game. I think there's other situations where he's like, you know, that's a solid shot that we're generating. We're just not hitting at a high enough clip. But I agree with you too, Jack, in terms of like, Four threes from Blake Griffin, you know, that's a win for the Heat. They're okay with him taking four threes. They think all of those are good defensive possessions for them. So I think there was enough good looks in there. But I also think there was points in the game, and this is what makes the offense hard, is where they get stagnant or they have these bad possessions, and it kind of ruins the rhythm. So then when you do get this great look, the offense has no rhythm, and it just feels harder to make the shot. And another thing with the offense that I've noticed, too, is just guys are very hesitant. You know, looking at Joe Harris specifically, driving to the rim. Typically what we noticed from Joe Harris the last couple of years, he drive to the rim hard, create contact with the big, and then use his offhand to finish. You know what I mean? To, you know, what we're seeing right now is he's almost like strolling to the rim, not creating contact, and allowing the big to get in great position and not pushing him off the spot. These are just small things that are impacting, and pretty much everybody on the team's having these small mistakes other than Kevin Durant, and KD had a couple tonight because he had five turnovers. So it's just like there's no rhythm, and there's a lot of hesitancy right now. Definitely. I think that's a really good point, and I think Joe is one that might be affected by those rules as well. You know, you talk yeah. about you're not getting some of those calls. Um, his mentality in terms of his aggression and his purpose isn't necessarily there. I think it is there from the perimeter. He's he's letting it fly from there. Yep. But every other facet of the floor, I don't think he necessarily has that. He's, he's had some good rebounding performances in the last game. You know, he, he was boarding the ball well. So um, I, I think that... And, and look, shout out to Joe Harris for being, you know, hitting his 814th three as a Brooklyn Met, uh, overtaking Jason Kidd to lead the franchise in three-pointers, mate. Heck of an achievement for where he's come from, you know, from a castaway in Orlando um, and, and Cleveland to being you know, a Brooklyn Net marksman and one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And he was 5 of 11 there tonight. So it was a good night for him when you're looking at that skill uh, in particular. But because we need him to do a little bit more, make some better decisions, impact that game just that tad more, he can't unfortunately do that. And he hasn't been doing that. So um, it's uh, it's disappointing. Uh, and I think some of the, the, the fouling as well, he's getting some tendencies um, where he's, over, he's over-fouling. You know, he, yep. he's had, I think, a couple of five foul performances, which he shouldn't be. Um, you know, he needs to sort of work the, at some of his defense a little bit because we need him to be better there as well. But, you know, and a nice achievement for him tonight.
night. But, you know, Joe can be better. We want him to be better. We need him to be better. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, congrats to Joe. Obviously, that's a pretty cool thing to be the all-time franchise leader in three-pointers made. And at least he did have a good night from three. I'm sure he wished he got the W. And I think even looking at it, like 15 points from Joe is probably enough for the Nets to win some games. But they would need a bigger performance from James Harden or somebody else to kind of step up. You had Bruce Brown with 12, but a couple of those were in garbage points as well. So they're literally just not getting enough scoring. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, Miami definitely in that second half started to allocate more attention to Kevin Durant in terms of kind of shutting him down is making his life more difficult and guys weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities and also this is a game too where you know Miami made some really good rotations but maybe that one more pass or just having somebody who could uh, attack the rim with a little bit more velocity would help in this game because you even saw Bam on KD a lot removing their rim protection or paint help and the Nets weren't really able to capitalize on having some of these smaller players at the rim. And I think that's just an issue for this team in general. Obviously, Kyrie doesn't live in the paint or anything like that, but he's definitely a very capable driver and finisher. But even with him here, I think the Nets could use an athletic body that could attack the rim. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are pointing this out on Twitter as well about the fact that Kyrie Irving you know, doesn't really get fouled a lot and he just doesn't really draw contact a heap. And he, yep. he just still scores at will and maybe one of the best scorers at doing that, at just scoring buckets without really getting to the free throw line eight to eight times plus or whatever. That's more James Harden style. So he would be, you know, missed. And, and funny enough, Kevin Durant said this as well. Yeah, he was asked what the Nets are missing. He's like, I know what you want me to say as he laughs. Uh, well, yeah, we do miss Kyrie. We do. He's part of our team. But like I said, we've been generating great shots. We've been getting in the paint. We're just going to knock them down. In that second quarter, when they were looking at their best, you know, they had that aggression. They had that purpose. And they were penetrating and then kicking out, uh, continuing to penetrate. And they started to get some, some more calls after you know complaining to the refs and, and getting some due course there. So I think that KD has a point in saying that. But it seems to me that they can't do it consistently enough. And, and maybe part of that is credit to Miami because of their, their tremendous defense when you've got you know, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam at a bio three of the better defenders in the NBA right now um, on one team. You know, it's going to be disruptive for you. But I do think that this performance could have been a lot better. You know, there, yeah. there were just moments which is like, damn, the Nets look good there. We just needed it for 30 minutes rather than 12. The second half of the second quarter was really good. That was really good basketball. That was just like if they had been able to continue that momentum, which pretty much the opposite happened to start the third quarter, they'd probably win this game. I believe early in that third quarter, Miami went on a 14-0 run. Steve Nash elected to not call a timeout. And to give you know Steve Nash a little bit of protection here, James Harden continued to wave him off when he was about to call that timeout. But that's a point where Steve Nash has to be like, yo, I'm the coach. I know you want to keep running through it. But if he called that timeout maybe at 6-0 or 8-0, we might be talking about a different game. Not to say that you know one position changes anything, but when you allow a team to go on an 8-0 to a 14-0 run and give them a, a nice little cushion, now you're playing comeback and you're already not playing great basketball or hitting your shot. So there's just a lot of little mistakes the Nets continue to make across the board. Yeah, it's funny because I, was watch I watched most of the first half uh, in fact, all of the first half, and then got to see a little bit of that third quarter live. I saw, you know, intermittent moments from the third and the fourth, but I, I shut it off as in the Miami Heat were on a 9-0 run, and then, and then you, you tell me it turns into a 14-0 run. You know, it's it's it reminds me of a quote that Kevin Rand said last year when you know the same thing was sort of brought up. He's like, you know, we want to work our way through those runs, and look, whatever, it's, it's, it is what it is. Steve Nash is is he has his strengths, he has his weaknesses. He's not an amazing coach. He's a second-year coach. He's a sophomore coach. So 
uh, the rotations and uh, um, uh, look I, I don't know I think maybe they were better tonight he, he stuck with the um, the same five as last time I think that was alright even though the Nets were 29 to 22 down you know I, I think that Bruce Brown is has solidified himself as a starter and if we see him you know outline but maybe you throw in a LaMarcus Aldridge maybe you throw in a Paul Millsap maybe you try a Clax I'm not sure if Bruce Brown and Clax totally works uh, amazingly but you know I, I think that there's still some things that need to be worked out in terms of that rotation um, because right now, um, I, I think some of it is just the players need to play better as well. Um, it, it can't all be on like this five-man combination. But at the same time, as we've said, the coach needs to give them the, the best tools to succeed. And one way he can impact that way is aligning with certain things. And I was a bit worried at, I think at a point in the second quarter, where it was like basically just all defense. It was just yeah. like... Carter, it was Bembry, it was Brown. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. It was Joe Harris, I think, was like the best offensive player yeah. on the floor. And Paul Millsap like, out there. Like, and Millsap as well. But then they went on some, like, got some really good defensive stops. So, like, uh, alternately, that experimentation worked a little bit. It, it, and then I think that set a little bit of a tone defensively because a lot of the first quarter was the, the heat just missing shots. In the second quarter, I actually think that the physicality increased from the Nets and Bembry, Carter, Brown, probably more Ben Brown, Brown in my eyes, and, and maybe a little bit of Millsap too. Those guys, I think, relish on that sort of stuff. And when the, the whistle is, you know, swallowed a little bit, it allows those guys to be impactful. So I think Ben is earning his way into the rotation a little bit too. I've just given the way that the Nets need to continue to get those stops because they look so much better offensively as well. They can, you know, get out in the open court. They're not a quick team. They weren't moving it as fast as the Heat were off, off makes and misses, but they still can, you know, attack gaps. It's a lot of easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get those advantages as you alluded to, Nick, on an unset de- a defense when there's a bit more scrambled and finding their positioning. So if the Nets can continue to get stops, th- there's some signs of life in this team. We start off a bit pessimistic, but we, I think that talking through it, that there's things here where it's just like we're putting some things together. If you just go through all four games, you'd probably find a 48-minute performance out of it all. But we need you know to to get some good games. Uh, soon and, and bank some wins and hopefully that starts to come yeah i agree jack i think like you're seeing stints and just little moments where you're like oh wow this this could be something and you're like oh the nets are about to turn this up and they're about to be up 10 or 20 or something and then there's just like a stint where they don't play well and getting to Bembray, uh like you said jack i think defensively he definitely provides something and attacking the rim as a driver or something he's done pretty well not a great game in terms of his shots you know two of five but still you kind of like that aggression i think i will say one issue with him when he's out there with James Harden, if he's not setting the pick for the pick and roll, then he's kind of just like killing the spacing. He fits a little bit better, I think, in a lineup with like Patty Mills, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, and maybe like Joe Harris. Maybe if you want to make him one of the early subs in the game or something like that, I think that works better too. And I also just think Bruce has a better chemistry with James Harden, so it makes sense to kind of get those guys lined up a little bit more. It's just like... They need to kind of find the correct balances. Like you said, that was heavy defense. You need Steve Nash to find probably like 70 offense, 30 defense or something like that. Yeah, look, to, to fight against that, there was a, a nice play in the Washington Wizards game, which, you know, look, listen back to some of the, the game recaps, guys, um, if, you, if you've missed any along the way. There was a really nice play where John Bembry is probably as good if, you know, he has the level of physicality and strength to screen. He reads angles really well. You know, a nice sort of pick and roll uh, connection that he had with James Harden, despite barely playing with this guy. James, Bruce Brown has a full season uh, of playing alongside James Harden, and Bembry's already, he's got good tendencies and good instincts there. So 
I'd fight against that a little bit, but well, I do like understand. I said, Jack, I said Bembray can be out there with Harden, but he has to be the pick and roll player. So you can't have Bembray and Bruce Brown because then you're kind of, or even just like, if Bembray is not setting the pick, then he's killing the spacing. There was just plays tonight where uh, Morris just pretty much ignored him on the floor. Was if he's not setting the pick, he's like, okay, we're gonna let him cut, get that pass at the elbow, and then someone's gonna rotate. So if they're not utilizing him in the action, then I think it's just very easy to just make him non-existent off ball. Yeah, I want to see more more player movement as well in, in that respect yep. as well. Like Joe he Patty. did a great job. Yeah, Joe Patty, DeAndre Bembry, uh, Bruce Brown, pa- Patty Mills, all, all the players that I just mentioned, all are good cutters, all have good instincts in that sort of respect and, and create a bit of movement. It just seems like sometimes the Nets are, are a little bit stagnant. Some of that is James Harden and the methodical way that he's been playing right now. And I think that some of that is, you know, when he is not at his best self, he does play slower, even slower. He chews yeah. up the clock a little bit more. He's not getting that separation with the handle as much. But look, I, I guess that in, in terms of any other plays you wanted to touch on, Nick, before I guess we probably probably should finish off, I guess, with James Harden and sort of go, where does it go from here? How do you feel about him? What other role players did you want to touch? And I sort of gave my thoughts on Paddy Mills. Um, obviously, we saw some minutes for, for Paul Millsap. Also, Blake didn't look uh, uh, that amazing either. Did you want to touch on some of those role players? Yeah, uh, I'll touch on Javon Carter. It was just a really rough offensive game for him. Uh, he had that like air ball that hit like the bottom of the back of the rim, something I'd never seen before because it almost looked like the shot went in. I was kind of confused for a second, honestly. Uh, Javon Carter, definitely, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the rotation. You like what he brings defensively with the energy, but at the same time, it's almost like he's having less of an offensive impact than a guy like DeAndre Bembry who doesn't even have a three-point shot. So just something to really consider there. I think Patty Mills, like, he did everything else right but hit the shots tonight. Like, that was just an issue. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, the Nets do need him at this point to hit shots just because they don't have Kyrie Irving. Uh, Paul Millsap, I thought there were some good moments, and then there's some moments where you can tell, you know, why the Nets were able to sign Paul Millsap you know, at his age of 37, he just doesn't have that same athletic pop. And there's just a couple plays where he just is off on the finishing. One thing he does a little bit, and this is kind of maybe a disadvantage of being on the Nets. He'll overhelp and no one will have his back. We saw him overhelp a couple times today and then no one was able to make the rotation behind him. And that was like three times an easy bam out of Bayou, either layup or dunk. Yeah, look, I think that there's a lot of strengths and weaknesses to their bit to the bigs as we sort of alluded to you know finding moments from the game and putting it all together you, you find a lot of good things in a lot of these bigs you put them all together you probably got uh, other than you're probably the athleticism unless you're throwing clacks into the mix yeah, as well you got the best big out <laughs> yeah it, it's just like they've all got traits that are that work well in in certain contexts but you'd like to have like you know either a better version of james johnson which seems unrealistic um or just another wing guy (laughs) Uh, jeff green and otto porter one of these sort of names because maybe deandre maybe deandre Bemi has to sort of be that sort of bigger version a small version of a wing type for the nets um which i totally wouldn't be opposed to i think he's like six five or so um and look bruce brown plays like a a goddamn so i think deandre Bemi can do the same sort of thing um, I guess we'll wait and see how those lineups do turn out. Um, and Nick, I guess show some love to, to Mr. Slim Reaper because um, good to see his mum there. Good to see Jay-Z there again. Um, the Clays, as Kevin Rand has, has coined it now. I wonder if he's bought that bar, that 20 million Basquiat piece from the, the old showroom uh, that's now at the, at the center. Can't wait to get to the Clays or the Clees, um, as uh, Iron Eagle <laughs> wants to call it. Kevin Rand, Nick. At least we got this guy, and at least where we get the joy of being able to analyze um, how incredible he's been. 
Yeah, I mean, he starts this game like one of five and wasn't getting any calls, got hacked a couple times, nine of 18, 25 points, two of four from three, five of six in the free throw line, 11 rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks, five turnovers. I think the turnovers are the only thing that kind of stick out, but I think at certain points towards the end, he was trying to do a little bit too much just because there was an offense being generated by the team. But again, you know, KD did his thing and it just it would be better if guys could kind of hit the shots off the double teams. There was just a couple times where he could have easily probably had maybe not double-digit assists, but definitely over five tonight if guys just knocked down the open looks he set them up with. Yeah, and, and look, Katie's have, I when when we listen to, you know, analyzing this team, I always really listen to James Harden because he's incredibly forthright and Kevin Durant because he's incredibly measured and just has a balance and, and, and even keel about things. It's just his mentality, which I, I really enjoy. And he seems pretty even keel right now, so I'm probably getting out of my feels a little bit. And James Harden's forthright about, you know, lacking a bit of confidence in himself and probably his body as well. So, and, and, and all of those confluence things are put together. Again, check out that Nikias Duncan piece, an actually objective piece of writing about James Harden uh, and the way that he's been performing. So, look, if Kevin Durant can continue the way that he's playing and we get 80% of some of the versions of our players, it's just like we, we can never get... like. Out of like, if we do out, we occasionally throw some ratings in there. You know, Kevin Durant's been a minimum of eight in pretty much all the games. But other than that, most of the guys have been, what, fives have been lucky to have a, a six out of ten performance. Yeah. And tonight, Nick, was there a second best player you could actually pick out? Hmm. Bruce? <laughs> That's a good. Bruce is probably it because I think Bruce did what he was supposed to do. And defensively, I thought he was really good. Jimmy Butler had a terrible game. Like Jimmy Butler was six of 18, missed a ton of layups. And I thought Bruce Brown did a great job of matching his physicality as well. So Bruce, I think for me would get, you know, defensively, he'd probably get like a nine out of 10 in this game. Uh, offensively, you know, his expectations aren't super high. So like 7.5 or something. Honestly, give Bruce an eight out of 10 here. Love it. Love it. I mean, wait, wait. I don't know who's third. <laughs> Look, it's hard to say, and I think that there's a confluence of factors where we've talked about moments. You know, Joe's three-point shooting was good. DeAndre Bembry's you know, physicality was good, and you know, he I like his aggression, but sometimes he can be a, a little bit reckless. You know, I don't want to see a float from him very often uh, again this season. Just continue going Especially to the line when it's congested in the paint. If it's a one-on-one situation against like Kyle Lowry, I thought he looked confident finishing over, yeah. but there was times where he tried to attack like three Heat players, and it's like, nah, you're not Kevin Durant, you're DeAndre Bembry. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the final question I guess I'll ask you, Nick, uh, were there any other takeaways from this game uh, other other than that? How do you feel about the team and James Harden you know, heading into to the matchup with the Pacers uh, and the other sort of games we've got coming forward, which are winnable, winnable matchups? Yeah, I think with James Harden, it's kind of a wait and see thing. We're not going to make any like hash, uh, rash, um, you know, opinions on him or anything like that. Just given, I think it is really a lot of conditioning, rust and confidence and things like that. In terms of like the team and how they're playing, I think there's still moments where you're like, wow, this team can still be really good, but they just need to kind of get all together. So in like 15, around like the 15 game mark, I think we'll have a lot better idea of who they are. But even looking at a game like tonight, you know, I thought their defense did enough, but their just defensive rebounding was so bad and that kind of prevent them from winning the game like we talked about to start the show jack 31 to 4 if they cut that in half to about 15 you know they might win the game or at least be in a chance to win it at the end and it's just a lot of the small things and the hustle plays and i think if you're not playing in sync and you're not playing well from a team chemistry perspective or you're you know not in line offensively defensively and effort plays is where you can kind of make up the ground and win some games and i think that's where i'd like to see the nets be better especially on the boards 
Yeah, and another an extra 11 shots for the team as well. You know, we've heard Bruce Brown and KD say those sort of things. If they can match it, even when they're not performing at their best, just get the stops and get around the same mark. I think they took less shots than the Wizards. I think it was, I think it was one like less a few, shot. though. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, that's an, an area where it's just like get stops, finish possessions. There are little things here and there where it's just like the Nets could be flattered by the record, but I think that getting the losses is better early on because it allows you to go you can sort of overreact to because you know against the Wizards we weren't that great um, the, Wizards we were worse. <laughs> the Wizards were just bad yeah so look I, I, again you know I think that it's an ongoing thing with James Harden we'll continue to analyze it uh, as it pertains to us hopefully he works his way into form conditioning has that confidence in himself uh, and the team and hopefully Steve Nash can unlock something in this team you know a, a bit of film here and there and we see growth because I think we're seeing growth in areas. It's just you want to see a growth collectively. You know, we yeah. talked about defense. We talked about you know, the Nets haven't shot the ball well this season, despite being a really talented offensive team. So hopefully we start to put a couple of things together, Nick. It's like you know, teaching one of my students, it's like I can see the potential in you. How can I bring it out of you? I know you're good at this subject, but I want to get it out of your maths and English and writing, as well as you know, the sociology, all that sort of stuff. I, can't, I want a consistency across the board. And some of that's on me. Some of that's on the, the players and the kid themselves. Yeah, and I like that comparison, Jack, because it feels like at times like the Nets are doing really good in math, and then they're like, oh, we need to allocate more time to science. And now with you know all the extra time in science, they're back to being bad at math. So it's like kind of trying to find that balance. But hopefully they bounce back against the Pacers. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.